And when we sing this, we're not saying, God, I'm going to see a victory. We're reminding ourselves that I'm going to see a victory because my God is who he is. God doesn't need to be reminded, but he loves to hear his children speak out in faith because they know who he is and they take him at his word. Let's sing this out. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good. You take, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good you take you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good so much good god you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it sing that song again just letting you all know because the whole point of the song is that the enemy has tried to make darkness in our life but the Lord came in and he has brought light and victory okay but we got to give him see this is the thing the battle belongs to the Lord so we can't hold on to the battle we release it to the Lord and we surrender ourselves to the Lord we say Lord show me what to do in battle show me guide me direct me because the victory is ours together with the Lord did you hear me the victory is ours together with the Lord and the Lord wants us to whatever battle we may be facing give it to him and know that it just is is it just about giving and forgetting it's about giving and then obeying it's about giving and then receiving direction receiving guidance in how he orders our steps to give us the victory do you have a battle jesus's greatest battle was the cross right and he was able to say, see, what the enemy meant for evil, come and touch my scars on my hands. You know what? I, I, I think when we see Jesus face to face, he's still going to have the scars on his hands. Because he's not ashamed of those scars. He's all, this is victory. 
This is victory for you. He didn't need the victory in the sense of his sin. He had no sin. But we needed the victory. And in the same way in our lives, the Lord wants to take with the enemy right now the battles that the enemy is wanting to use against you to bring defeat. He wants to bring victory in your life so that you can say to other people, see, this is what the enemy tried to do, but come and see the victory that the Lord has given. And that is how you stomp on the enemy's head. What the enemy meant for evil, now God has used it for good and power in your life. Now you have power in a greater measure because of the grace that you have experienced. Grace being the gift of God. Grace in your life. I didn't deserve the victory, God, but you gave it to me. You ordered my steps. You empowered me through the Holy Spirit. You transformed my thinking. You caused me to see your provision. You caused me to overcome. The obstacle may have not been removed, but you gave me the strength to overcome it. Come on, we're going to sing that song again. Come on, worship team, let's do it. And you turn it for good. Sing it out. You take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. And you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. And you turn it for good. Take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good and you turn it for good I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see your victory the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to I'm gonna you, Lord. See. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you.
tried so hard to see it took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never earn it you give what we don't deserve and you take the broken things and raise them to glory you are my champion giants fall when you stand undefeated every battle you've won i am who you say i am you crown me with confidence i am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all now i can finally see it you're teaching me how to receive it so let all the striving cease this is my victory champion giants fall when you stand undefeated every battle you've won I am who you say I am you crown me with confidence I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who interfere here last night pastor david and i were watching penn state football yes they won by the way but they were at a home game and this reminds me of this song keep that verse up there go go back don't go back 
When I open my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority Jesus has given to me. Penn State has something called, when they're in their home game, called a whiteout. That means that the whole stadium is white. The vast majority are fans and college students of Penn State University. And what they do is that they shout so loud during the game that the football players on the opposing team cannot hear each other talk. Come on. Confuses the enemy. Confuse. They can't hear each other because the stands around them are shouting for victory so loudly that the enemy is confused. Come on, people. Jericho. Jericho was the same thing. Come on, let us confuse the enemy. We got the victory. The enemy can't hear. He can't hear because we're shouting. We're saying, you know, my victory is here. He is a victorious one. We won the game. He has done it. He has done it. Come on, we have the authority.
for the victory I see. I will shout it out. I will shout it out in faith. I shout it out. I shout it out in faith. On in the physical realm. You have a cloud of witnesses. You have people in the stands that have gone before you. People who walked this earth in generations past that are cheering you on. There is a cloud of witnesses around you. And they're shouting. They're shouting for you. They're cheering you on. You can do it. You can do it. You can win the battle because the Lord is with you. The same God that was with them is with you right now. No matter what the score may look like in the physical realm, you have the victory. The victory is nigh. The victory is around the corner. The victory is there. Don't you dare give in to what the enemy says to you. Don't you dare stop fighting. Stop pushing forth. You say, well, you know, we need to rest in the Lord. You do need to rest in the Lord because the yoke is easy. The burden is light. You got a person in Jesus Christ who is with you. You have one that says that your battle will not overcome you because I am with you. Greater is he that is in you. That is Jesus Christ. That he that is in the world. The enemy is not great. Whatever your situation is, whatever the mess may it be, Whatever the battle that it may be, whatever the impossibility that it is, whatever the financial mess you may have, whatever the physical mess you may have, whatever the relational mess you may have, whatever mess you may have, Jesus is able. He is the able one. He says, get me into that yoke with you. Come on. Come on. We're not going to give up. We're not going to wave the white flag to the enemy. We're going to say, you know what? I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief, but I believe. And you know what that means when, when the man said to Jesus, because Jesus said, all things are possible with, for him who believes. All things are possible for him who believes. And the man said, I believe. Help now my unbelief. You know how his unbelief was helped? It was helped by replacing unbelief with belief. See, the fact is this. The unbelief had to go in that vacuum where unbelief was. Now he said, I'm going to put the belief there. We are people of his kingdom. We are people of his presence. We are people of the now God. The reality of who he is in our lives. It is, he is real He is active. He is powerful. He is victorious. He is able. He's the overcomer. He has given us that same power in us. For some of you, you may feel a little discouraged. And the Lord's saying, I want to replace discouraged. I'm going to get the dis out of there and put courage in you. I want to put courage in you. Courage in you. For some of you, you may feel a little bit like, well, I haven't been meeting up to the standards of God. You know what? It is by grace. It's not by your works, lest any man should boast. You know what? You just say, Lord, pour out the grace. 
No self-condemnation. He did not come to condemn you. He came to give you his grace, his love, his power. He came to give you and pour out upon your life his grace. Aren't you glad that we don't have to be good enough? Aren't you glad that we don't have to do it in ourselves? Come on, aren't you glad? I'm glad. I can't do this. I can't do it in myself, but I surely can do it when Christ is in me. The hope of glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you have a battle right now, I just want you to lift up that battle to him. I want you to surrender that battle to him. Right now, just surrender it to him. Some of us can feel real heavy in our spirits. We can start feeling depressed because of the battle that we have. We can start looking and it feels like an abyss, a dark abyss of hopelessness that I don't have an answer for this. But the Lord says there is an answer. I am your hope. I am always your hope. Right now, bring it to the Lord. And you know what? You not only bring it to the Lord, now release it to the Lord. Because the Lord wants to trade that heaviness, that spirit of heaviness right now to give you a garment of praise. And what does that mean? A garment of praise so that I begin to declare the victory. I begin to praise him. Even though I don't see it in the physical realm, I begin to praise him. I'm not going to live under the heaviness that the enemy wants me to live under. He wants me to live under the burden of this situation. He wants me to live under a burden of hopelessness. But I will not live under that. I'm going to trade. I'm going to receive that garment of praise right now. That garment of, come on. I can't do it for you. I can pray for you, but I can't do it for you. Right now, let's give it to the Lord. Right now, whatever it may be. He wants, he has given us all the riches. He has given us all the riches of his grace. He has given them, they're free. And this is a richness of his grace. This is the wealth of God for our lives. So that we can live abundantly, even in the storm. We can live abundantly, even in the battle. Yes, Pastor Lynn, I agree with it. Amen. All the promises of God are yes in Christ. And to that we say, louder, louder. Amen. Amen. Jeez, come on, let's sing that song one more time. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand on. Every battle you won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence, I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated. By the power of your name, I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it Jesus. 
for a minute. You're his church. The people of God are his church. Not a building. The people of God are his church. You know, I just want to give you a, a word, an exhortation today. And it's, this is the phrase that the Lord gave me. Break off spiritual sluggishness. How do you like that? Break off spiritual sluggishness. And so as I was, the Lord was talking, downloaded downloading to me Hebrews 6 11 through 15 see when we have spiritual sluggishness you know what happens we lose our joy we lose our hunger and passion for the Lord we lose an appetite for his word and you know what you say well you know Pastor Lynn do you ever feel that way sure and you got to break it off okay that's just part of the journey of growing with the Lord is to not let yourself get spiritually sluggish. Hebrews 6, 11 through 15, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to help you out if you're feeling a little spiritual sluggishness here. And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be spiritually sluggish but will instead be imitators of those who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and in his power and by patient endurance, even when suffering, are now inheriting the promises. Patient endurance. Okay, so I'm going to just give you a clue. To break off spiritual sluggishness, you're going to have to have some endurance. It's just not one moment you go, bam, oh, I'm now. No, you're going to have to do some endurance. Now, Abraham's our example. Verse 13 of Hebrews 6. For when God made the promise to Abraham, 
he swore an oath by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. We love that, right? I'll surely bless you. Oh, and multiply you. You know what? Paul writing this is referring to actually the scripture in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. What was Genesis 22? Is when Abraham goes and offers Isaac upon the altar. And he says this, goes on, verse 15, and so having patiently waited, Abraham realized the promise in the miraculous birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come from God. Breaking off spiritual sluggishness has to do with patient endurance and sometimes waiting. We don't like to feel certain things, and yet the Lord is building the muscle in us to be a person who endures no matter how we feel. This is the thing. This is a weakness of people in the church. It's all about my feeling. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like living righteously. I don't feel like loving one another. I don't feel like loving my spouse. I don't feel it. So what? Open up the Bible and say, do what you feel. It's not what you feel. It's what he says. And patient endurance breaks off the dependency on the feels. It doesn't matter what I feel. I obey. And Abraham is the example of this. Now, I want to bring this point up. Paul refers to Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham, I'm sure, did not feel like bringing Isaac, his promise, to the altar. Oh, I don't feel like it. He did it because he obeyed God. But let me just point something out to you. Genesis 22 verse 5 says this. Abraham said to his servants, this is when he and Isaac are going up to the mountain. Stay here with the donkey. The young man and I will go over there and worship God. And we will come back to you. Worship God. Now, Abraham uses this word. This is the first time in scripture that the word worship is used. When Abraham is going up to the mountain with Isaac. The first time. And what is the context? Sacrifice. Woo! Romans 12. 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies dedicating all of yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Worship actually means literally to lay down. To lay down, to lay prostrate, to lay oneself before. Now, in English, we like to say acknowledge, ascribe, worth to. But actually, in the Hebrew, it is to lay down. So when Abraham is going to that mountain, he's going to lay, some, he's going to lay down Isaac. Isaac's going to lay down. Well, how do you relate this with breaking off sluggishness? A lot of times we say, I need something. I am sluggish spiritually. I need something. You don't need something. You need to lay down something. Woo! According to Paul in Hebrews. Let's break off the spiritual sluggishness 
and lay it down. 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Come on, it's not about saying, oh, I, you know, I got I to gotta get somebody to, to uh, stir me up. I got to get somebody to, I got to get something out of here. But the Lord's saying, lay it down. You want to break off the sluggishness? It's kind of like why we do the Daniel fast in January. Why? Because we get pretty sluggish after all of our parties, after all of our food, after all of our sweets. And what, we're not to add to it, we're to lay it down. And there's the same concept here of two things. The perseverance, no matter how I feel, I'm going to persevere. And the second thing is this, worship. Worship, but worship meaning I lay myself down. I lay down, which according to Paul is this. You're reasonable, rational, logical, intentional, intelligent act of worship. Now, Later in Hebrews, Paul writes about Abraham. That when Abraham laid down Isaac for a sacrifice, he reasoned something. He reasoned that God can resurrect. Because Abraham was thinking the thoughts of God. Because Abraham was worshiping. He said, I trust God. I believe God. You know what the Lord wants us to do? You know, in this season of our journey with the Lord and all this stuff that we have had swirling around us culturally, globally, you name it, we can start feeling spiritually sluggish in it all. And the Lord says, you know what? What we're going to do is you're going to persevere and you're going to worship. And when I mean worship, you're going to lay it down. You're going to lay you down. Who? Who? You're going to lay you down. Laying down myself. Have you had some spiritual sluggishness? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right now, Lord, you want to renew your mind. Oh, this is an offensive word to me, Lynn. Well, too bad. He's wanting to renew that mind and get out the thoughts of the world and put in his thoughts for you. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We take every thought captive and bring it under Christ Jesus. Every thought captive. That's what this is doing. The renewing of our minds. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. If you say, you know what? I've kind of had some spiritual sluggishness. Stand. I'm going to just pray over us right now. Come on. Stand. You know what I'm talking about. I just feel a little sluggish about things. I'm having a hard time right now. Come on, it's okay. You think, Pastor Lynn, have you ever been there? Absolutely. Why do you think I know this word? I know this word because God gave it to me for me so that I can give it to you. Come on. Your shepherds don't preach to you something they haven't experienced. <laughs> He's going to refine us before he refines you. So we know what we're talking about so that we have an incarnation about it. We live it out. We don't just preach it. We live it out. 
Right now, Lord, come on. You're going to break it off. But you know how he breaks it off? It's not how you feel. He breaks it off by you just saying, okay, Lord, I lay it down. I lay me down. And I persevere in that. I per- by patient endurance. By patient endurance. Right now, come on. Bring it to the Lord. Surrender to him. Maybe you don't raise your hands off and raise them right now. Just in the, 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 the revelation of surrender. In the act of surrender. Lord, I just surrender to you, Father, right now. Break off the spiritual sluggishness. Renew the joy of salvation. Renew the joy. Break off those things, Lord, that are in our lives, that are cluttering us up. up. And Lord, uh, break off the thoughts that are of the world. Some of us have feasted on the world's ways of thinking, the world's answers, the world's depression, the world's... Uh, the world's declaration of the resume of the enemy. That's how I like to say it. The world has always given us the resume of the enemy. And we start to feast on that and start to believe in that. And and, and, and it causes us to lose hope. And the Lord says, fix your eyes on me. And that's what it means when we lay ourselves down. See, Abraham, when he laid down his promise, what happened? Abraham, Abraham, do not touch the boy. And Abraham looked up and he saw the answer. He saw the ram in the thicket. And the Lord says, I'll cause you to see. Just like Romans 12 verse 2 says. That you will be able to prove what God's will is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. Right now, Father, some of us have need some answers. Some of us need to see where you're wanting us to go. The movement, direction. And you did it for Abraham. You gave us the example in Hebrews. You give us the example in Romans. That directive in Romans. And Lord, we will obey your word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word transforms us. We thank you that your word is life. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We do not walk in darkness. You don't want us to walk in darkness in any area of our life. So Lord, we surrender to you in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew, come on down. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Crossroads. Uh, just want to welcome you guys, welcome everybody to, uh, to service today, um, to encourage you, to say you're in the right place, that we're able to meet together and encourage each other. It's an awesome thing. Uh, weekly e-newsletter. So we have a weekly e-newsletter. Um, if you want to receive that newsletter, you can sign up for it. You can send your email address to... Uh, Teresa Lopez at tlopez at ccsmh.org. And uh, we'll get you a newsletter that lets you know what's going on with the church. Uh, so if you would like to receive that, go ahead and send your email there. Tonight, 
we have a Sunday night worship proclamation at 5.30 to 7 outdoors. Um, come, and like Pastor Lynn said, lay something down. Lay something down before the Lord and pick up something new. Uh, Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, Rosie's at the beach uh, from 3 to 4. Uh, Fred and Judy are going to be doing a, a Taco Tuesday uh, every third Tuesday, I believe, right? Every third Tuesday of the month for, hold on one second, till the end of the year. Uh, it's basically, oh, great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh they will be hosting this event from 3 to 4 every third Tuesday of the month until the end of the year. The first taco is paid for by Crossroads, but every one after that, you got to pay for yourself. Uh, this is a great way to build community, so enjoy fellowship. Uh, so please, invite friends. Come. Uh, Crossroads Connect. So we started Crossroads Connect uh, last week, and the men and women have been starting to get together, the youth and everybody. So if you're not connected, come out. Get connected. It's a good way to get connected with other people in the church to build relationships. So please come. Uh, annual business meeting, October 24th. Uh, so if you would like to know what's going on with the church and the financial part of it, come out. Um, we also have a new, we're electing two new, two new board members. So uh, come out, you know, and uh, pray on it. See who God puts on your heart. Listen to the sermons online. So we have different ways for you to listen to sermons, uh, past sermons, this sermon. Um, if you would like to hear it again, or if you just want to get refreshed with the sermon that you liked before, um, we have different ways. Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, there's many different ways. Um, so just uh, if you would like more information, you can go on the, the, uh, the, the website and you can receive that. Um, 2021 fall retreats. The women's retreat will be September 24th through the 26th, which is this this weekend. Um, and the men's is October 15th through the 17th. Um, don't let money hold you back. Don't let finances hold you back. If this is something that God is putting on your heart to, to get to, to be a part of, don't let money be the reason that you can't go because God has something for you. Ministry Partner of the Week, uh, NorCal Nev Teen Challenge. So uh, we all know Teen Challenge. They, they come out to our conference, our Holy Spirit conference. Um, let's, let's be a blessing to them because they're a blessing to us. Every time they come, they're a blessing. They, they pour in as much as we pour out. They yeah. pour into us. So let's just continue to pour into them and continue to keep them in prayer. Uh, financially, if you want to pour into them, I, I encourage you to do that. Also, let's help bless Teen Challenge. Um, they're looking to, to raise $10,000 for uh, new commercial washers and dryers. They need washers and dryers, and there are different facilities. Um, so we're looking for any kind of donations, any kind of donations. You know, anything will help to, to help them reach this goal. So I encourage you. Tithe and offering. I was looking at our, uh, our envelope, and the scripture on there is Luke 6.38. And uh, the first portion is what stuck out to me. Give, and it will be given to you. 
give and it will be given to you. Now, normally when, when, this, uh, when you think about this and you're thinking about somebody else, sometimes you don't want to give because that person may not give back to you. But we're giving to a good father, a perfect father, and he will bless you. So I just encourage you, give. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time that we're able to come together, Father. Lord, I, I thank you, my God, for uh, the people that will give today, Lord. I, I pray that you bless them, bless their homes, bless their families, my God. I pray that you multiply this tithe and offering, my God, to go to anything that you want it to go to, Father. I pray that it blesses anything that it goes to, that it multiplies, my God. And I just pray, Father, that you would continue to place it on our hearts to give as an act of worship, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we bind and loose, we proclaim your truth and in Jesus' name we will. Aren't you glad the Lord's good? Man, we need to get some coffee into you folks. Hey, uh, uh, Quinn, could you do me a favor? Can you and uh, uh, Matthew, can you grab some bulletins? If anyone doesn't have a bulletin, I want you to have one because I put the Bible verses on the back because I'm going to be doing a little bit of teaching this morning about what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And uh, there's some, all the scriptures from today's sermon are on the back of that, unless I quote something off the top of my head. But I want you to have those scriptures because I really believe God is raising us up as a congregation and as individuals in a congregation to be generous people. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> okay, Hosey. Oh, Hosey. Hosey, that's Jose and Rosie together. That's Jose and Rosie. Uh, we're, we're in agreement. The rest of us will work on how many of you like watching TV? Anyone? <clears throat> Anyone like crime shows? You know, when we lived, uh, uh, we, we actually visited the island of Antigua down in the Caribbean a couple years ago. Uh, we uh, got out of the airport, and as you walk out of the airport, there was a huge building, and it looked like a bank. And uh, one day my wife were watching the show American Greed. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's a show about how people are greedy and how they go in and they basically scam people. And it turned out that that building actually was on one of the episodes of American Greed. And it's interesting because greed, when you look at it, greed is really a virus that affects and destroys uh, people's lives. And the people that uh, not only are greedy, but the people that are victims of the greed. And one of the things that's interesting in that show, American Greed, is often the people that get scammed are, they don't bring this out, but they're just as greedy as the people that are trying to get the money from them. Yeah. Because they're, they're looking for a quick return. And one of the things that is interesting is <clears throat> when you think about our culture, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're, you're one of 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Do you know that? 
people that live here, not just here in California, but people that live here, you're one of the wealthiest people. And one of the things that Pastor Lynn and I pray all the time is that God will prosper you and and allow you to enter in to all the blessings the Lord has. Not for yourself, but that you'll be able to sow into his kingdom. Amen? And I want to see per capita. You know, the U.S. has has 3% of the U.S. population is worth $1 million or more. 3%. That's greater than the entire population of the nation of Greece. Do you know that? And what God wants to do is God wants to take those resources, and I love what General Booth of the Salvation Army said. He wants to take the money uh, of the devil's money, wash it in the blood of the lamb, and use it to build the kingdom of God. And that's what God wants to do. And, that, and I'll tell you, as long as we're your pastors, we're going to encourage you to keep sowing into being generous and blessing others as a result of the financial blessing that you have. So this morning I want to talk to you about that because one of the things that's interesting is we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, but that you have right now in America, you have 40 million plus people that are living in poverty. And so what do we do as believers? How do we live as believers knowing that there's such a great need, but on one hand you have such great wealth on the other? And the thing I found over the years is that usually the people that are the wealthiest sometimes are the people that are the stingiest. And it's not usually the people that are really wealthy that are sowing. It's not, it's, it's, it's what scripture says is the widow's might. And one of the things that I want to teach us is if God prospers us, God expects us to use those finances to bless and to encourage and to build his kingdom. Can I get an amen for that? So how do we, how do we, how do we address greed from a, a biblical perspective? And I think that's something that we have to address because one of the things that God wants to do is God wants to promote a spirit of generosity. And when I'm talking about generosity, I'm not just talking about finances because you can be, you can be generous in a lot of things. You can be generous in the way you drive, the way you talk, in the, in the way you're interacting with people. And God wants us as believers to be Christ-like in all of our areas. You know, it's interesting because when you read through Scripture, one of the things you'll see is there's a lot of biblical passages, and if you turn your your bulletin over to the backside, you can see just a list of some of them. This is not an all-inclusive list. This is just some I want to hit on. But what I want to do is I want to help us to cultivate and work on the the muscle of generosity. Amen? Amen? So as we are generous people, one of the things that, and I I love what Matthew said, he says, Scripture says it this way, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down. What that talks about, did you ever go and buy something and it's like a dollar a bag? What do you do? Man, you pack it in, right? You push it in and you shake it, so what happens? So it settles down, right? And then you add to it, and that's what God wants to do with his people. When he sees that you're a generous person, he knows that you're not a stagnant pond, but you're a flowing stream. And God wants us to have the waters of the Holy Spirit flowing through us so that we can be generous people. Amen? So what is, the, what is the, the Lord's view on generosity? What does the word of God say about being generous? Well, let's go and look, because if you look in the very f- uh, first reference that I, I have for you in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 35 through 37, what you'll see is that God expects and God wants us to be people who are generous to those who are in need. Look at what scripture says. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner or a stranger so that you can continue to live among you. Do not take interest 
of, uh, or any profit from them, but fear your God so that you may continue to live among, they may continue to live among you. You must not lend them money at interest. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Or sell them food for a profit. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. So when you look at this passage of Scripture, one of the things you see is that God, in the very beginning, commands the people of Israel to take care of their own and to take care of who else? The foreigners in them, those that are not from that land or strangers among them. So what we have a responsibility as godly people, we have a responsibility to see if there's a need that someone has. We have a responsibility. I always love this as a pastor when someone comes up to me and says, well, you know, Pastor David, there's something that has to happen, and I don't know who's doing it. I always tell them, hey, if God's speaking to you, guess who God's talking to? God's talking to you to take care of it. God's talking to you because he's put the burden in your heart. Don't try to shuffle the burden off. This isn't like you're, you're doing a pitch out to someone else. If God gives you that burden and, and he speaks to you, it's because God wants you to be a blessing provider. God wants you to be someone that sows into someone else. And what's amazing about this, he says, if you see someone in need, it's your responsibility to take care of it. I always love when people say, well, the church. Well, the church should do this. Oh, the church should do that. Look in the mirror. That's the church. You know that? We are the church. It's not this building. You know? It's not, it's not a structure. It's individual components. And what God does, God knits us together so that we can work as a unit. And he says one of the things I love about this passage that's so good. He says when you're being, you see the need, don't say, well, you know, oh, Pastor Nick's got a need right now. So here, let me help you out at 18% interest. No. If you see it, give it. You know, if you can help them, do it. My wife and I have this understanding that if we sow into someone, don't expect it back. Amen. You know that? Just if they give it, great. But if not, that's too bad because they won't, they won't receive the blessing, but we will. And I'm trusting the Lord. The Lord is my provider. Not a business, not any income. The Lord is the one who provides for me. And what he says in this passage is he says, I want you to understand if you do this, I become your Lord, and I will be the one who is your God. Now, the good thing about today's message, we're not taking a second offering, okay? So you don't have to worry, even though the bags are back there, that's for next service, so you're all good. You're all relaxed now, okay? But look what else Scripture says in the book of Deuteronomy, which is Deuteronomos is the Greek word for the Old Testament book. It's a second law. It's the reinterpretation of the law. So in the book of the law, what Scripture says, what Moses is trying to teach the Israelites is this. Look it. He says, God wants you to be generous and to give in, in, in a sufficient way, to give in a way that blesses others. He says, and if, any among, uh, is, if, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites in any town of the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted. Wow, that's an interesting thing. Do not be hard-hearted. What is hard-hearted? Go ahead. I dare you to speak to me. You can always tell when someone's hard-hearted, right? It's not like, you know, they, they, they say in body language, they don't, actually, this means you're listening to someone. But when you're like, you're not, you're not paying attention, right? It means your heart is, is not soft. It's not pliable. It's not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And he says, not only that, but he says, you're tight-fisted. What a dangerous combination, a hard heart and a tight fist. You know, 
a thing about giving, you can't be blessed and receive when you're squeezing something really tight. You know the, the story of uh, how do you catch monkeys in the jungle? You put food in a jar, and they'll reach in and grab it, and their hand can't get out, and they're so committed to getting that, they don't realize all they have to do is let go. And that's one of the things with God. He wants us to let go and let him be in charge. He says, don't be hard-hearted. Don't be tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. You see, the principle God has is that when you bless others, there is a reciprocal relation that God blesses you. And a lot of times I find in, in, in pastoring is I hear people all the time say about, well, God doesn't do this for me, and God doesn't do that for me, and God doesn't do this for me. And I always ask, well, what are you doing for the Lord? Are you doing what Scripture says? Are you following the principles of the biblical understanding of how we should live our life? And one of the things that I want to do as your pastor, I don't, I don't want to have to spit, uh, sit here, spit here. <laughs> I don't want to have to sit here and spoon feed you. I want you to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. So today what I want to do is I want to teach you about the spirit of generosity. What does it mean to be a believer and walk in generosity? These two passages talk about it. But what happens when you continue to read scripture? You know, the Psalms are actually the, the, the worship books of the Old Testament. That's what the Jews would practice. They would read the Psalms. And if you ever go to Israel, I remember we went to Israel. We were there, and it was, it was a, a Israel Independence Day. And they had the high priest, and they were all gathering. And as they were walking through, the people were dancing around them and celebrating. They were celebrating the goodness of the Lord. And listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 41. He says, God expects us to believe that there are promises connected to generosity. Do you hear me? God believes that there are promises connected to generosity. Look what it says starting at verse 1. Blessed are those who what? Who have regard for the weak. God loves those people that look at the weak and says, you know what? God's put me in a position to be able to help them. God's given me the authority. God's given me the resources. God's given me the skills. God's given me the platform to be able to help those that are weaker than me. He says, the Lord delivers them in their time of trouble, and the Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed of the land. He does not give them over to the desires of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from the bed of their illness. You know what uh, this psalm does? This psalm basically says that when you wait upon the Lord, the Lord meets you. And he meets you and he takes care of you and he, he blesses you. And, and one of the things that we often think of is, is why does God allow us to go through certain things? I think about this church. When we first came here nine years ago, this church was in a really tough financial situation. But the very thing that the enemy was trying to steal was the very blessing associated with it. And one of the things that we've seen, the goodness of God, and I, I walk around this facility all the time and say, God, you've been so good to Crossroads. God, you've been so good to people in this church. God, you've been so good to families in this church. God, you've been so good to individuals in this church. Because I see the hand of the Lord in material ways showing his goodness to us. And what he says is, I will be there. I will not turn you over. I will not abandon you. And one of the things that God does, God always responds with kindness to people who are generous. He always protects them. One of the things I've learned over 30 plus years of pastoring is that when you are a generous person, God protects all that you have. You know that? I have some people, why, 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 do you be, why are you able to do the things you're able to do? 
Well, it's not because of all the wealth we have. It's because God has the ability to stretch what we have. God has the ability to protect what we have. God has the ability to have his hand on it and allow things to, to, to have a longer lifespan than you would imagine. And that is a resource provider for us. And what God wants to do is he wants to literally say, hey, look, if you look after people and you're generous, I will look after you. That's literally what he's saying in Psalm 41, the first three verses. Then look at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a book, uh, a wisdom book. And I, one of the things that I love about the book of Proverbs is you, you can read one chapter a day and it covers every single day of your month. And in Proverbs, it tells us this. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24 to 25, he says, this is what God expects. He, he expects your generosity to define you. Let me tell you something. I want Crossroads to be known as a generous church. I want Crossroads to be known as someone that is not hoarding what we have, but sowing what we have. You know what I love? I love the fact that every time we, we do wire transfers, our, we have an off-site admi- uh, accountants that take care of our books. And anytime there's a wire transfer, I will send them a, an explanation of where the wire is going, what's it for, and what account it should be coming from. And I always love Carol Lee. Carol Lee's our accountant that is our, our service rep. And she'll always say, well, Pastor David, I don't know how your church does this. I always thought your church was like a 1,000 people. You know what we are? We're tenfold. God is, God is giving us the blessing. And one of the things that I want to do is I want to always be someone that sows into the nations, sows into our community, sows into the people that God has given us. And what he says here, look what he says in, in Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Wow. How does that happen? You know what? Let me tell you something about the financial arrangements and the way God works. God takes the things of this world and confuses the wise at how they happen. God, I don't know how God does it, but God says, given it shall be given unto you. He says, you know, one of the things he does, he says, if you are generous, if you freely give, what will happen? You will get more. You know why? Because God realizes you're not selfish. It's not, you're not doing it for yourself. It's not me, 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 me. It's saying, God, I trust you. And literally what this verse is building upon is that there is a foundation of faith that you demonstrate to people around you when you trust the Lord with what you have. And you can say, well, you know, what do I give? What do I give? Well, maybe it's your time. You know, some of us, oh, man, I have no time. Why don't you start sowing into somebody? Why don't you start sowing into people? You know, how many of you drive to work every day? You know, you drive, you're stuck on the freeway. Maybe you should be a little bit more generous in the way you drive with other people. You know, letting people in maybe once in a while, you know, maybe being generous in that. Or what about your attitudes? Are you generous in your attitudes? You see, when we think about generosity, so many times as Americans, we focus on a dollar bill. We focus on currency. We focus on something that's material. But what about attitudes that we have? Are you generous with the way you speak to other people? Are you generous in your compliments that you make to people? Not like, you know, that that person that's always thrown out flattery but doesn't mean it, but being genuine in the way you speak to people. You see, our, our faith doesn't just materialize itself on a Sunday morning and then vaporize when we leave the facility. Our faith is worked out. We come here and we're given the word of God and then we take the rest of the week to work out how we live it. And he says this, and... Another withholds, un, I love this, unduly, but comes to poverty. You see, there's a, there's a connection with generosity and stinginess. 
The, the connection is this. If you're generous, you're, you get more. If you're stingy, you get less. And literally what this is, what he's talking about in this verse, is, is the, the, the concept of a poverty spirit. You know what a poverty spirit is? A poverty spirit is never having enough. A poverty spirit is thinking, you know, there's only one pie, and if I don't get a slice of that pie, I'm going to get stuck. You know, these are the people that, you know, you're standing in, in, the, in Walmart during the, uh, the Christmas time, and they're the people punching you for the $2.95 thing that's on sale because they think there's nothing else there. And what God says, that's not the way he wants us to live. Look at the last portion of this verse, verse 25. He says, a generous person will do what? They will prosper. That means they will have abundance. They will have not just enough, they will have more than enough. And he says, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, when I read this passage, the last portion of this, verse 25, I always think about the passage in the New Testament says that if you give even a cup of water to the least of these, you're doing it to Jesus. How many times do we miss blessings because we miss blessing others? How many times do we miss the favor of God in our life because we're not extending the favor of God to someone else's life? And I want to challenge us as believers that one of the things that we have to do is we have to address that attitude of uh, that, that poverty spirit because here's the principle as, as a believer. In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. You want to have great gain in your life? Be content at what the Lord has for you. You know, one of the things that always amazes me as a pastor is people want something, they want something, oh, they've got to have it, and as soon as they get it, it becomes a burden for them. Rather than saying, you know what, Lord, whatever you give me, I'm content with. I don't care, Lord, I may not have as much as the person down the road, but I don't have to worry about the debt load the person down the road has. I don't have to worry about all the problems they have. Lord, I thank you that you've provided every single need that I have. And Lord, I am content with that. That's the way God wants us to live. And what he says is, is amazing. He says that, that you will find a sense of his presence when you're a generous person. Look at another proverb, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. This is interesting because what it shows us is God listens and, and wants us to listen to have opportunities to be generous. Whoever shuts their ears to the cries of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Hmm, isn't that interesting? When you don't hear the needs others have, you become tone deaf to it. You close your ears, and then you, as your ears are closed, as we've already seen in another passage, what happens to your fist? You clench onto what you have. Let me tell you something. Everything that you and I have doesn't belong to us. As a believer, everything you and I have, everything belongs to the Lord. And if the Lord speaks to you, this is the, one of the principles I had to learn a long time ago. If the Lord speaks to you to release something, he will provide something in replace for that. And one of the things I know about the Lord, he always trades up. I don't know how he does it, but you know, he always trades up. I remember when we first came here and we, we first moved, we moved from overseas. We didn't really have a lot of things. And I remember one day I was thinking, man, Lord, I would just love to have a bicycle. You know, just to ride a bike. You know, I haven't had a bike in years. I gave my bike away years ago. And one day someone in the church came up to me and says, Pastor, do you and Pastor Lynn, would you, do you have any bikes? I'm like, no, I don't. He goes, I got two bikes for you I'd like you to have. I'm like, oh, okay, that, well, let, me, let me pay for them. No, 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 I can't ride them anymore. My, my knees are bad, I can't ride them, and my wife can't ride hers anymore. So I'm gonna give these bikes. He gave us two specialized bikes. And one of them I could lift up with two fingers. It's like, you know, and I'm like, I, I got the bike, and I remember getting it and picking it up. I'm like, 
ooh. I thought, this is expensive. I said, let me pay you. No, no, I just want to bless you. You know, when you bless others, it's amazing what happens. And what God wants to do is God wants to teach us to be generous. God wants to teach us to be people who sow into others. God wants to teach us to be people that bless people. And when they ask you, say, I do this as I do it unto the Lord. You know, the book of Colossians tells us, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you do it as unto the Lord. We don't do this for ourselves. We don't do it so we can say, hey, David's such a great person. We do it because the Lord's called us to be this way. He's called, in his generosity, he has done it. Look what it says in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. He says, God expects us to have a generous spirit. He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Well, what does that have to do to generosity? Keep reading. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And it will be poured into your lap. For, the, for with the measure you use, it will also be measured to you. You know, it's interesting. When we lived in India, my wife's, one of my wife's favorite quotes from Mother Teresa is that if you judge people, you have no room to love them. You see, there's a connection between being judgmental, being critical, being a person that is always uh, not forgiving, being a person that condemns others, and how you use the finances and how you use your time and how you use your resources that God has given to you. Because if you're, if you're stingy with those things, God is, you're judging other people. Well, I don't know about Pastor Rebecca. She just seems to have everything. Why should I give to her? What are you doing? You're judging her, right? When we judge people, what do we do? We take the component of love out of our heart, and we, we, we bring in the, the judicial system. We bring in the legal system. And I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a believer who lives under the law. You know that? I want to be a, a believer that lives under grace. I want to be a believer that lives under the lordship of Christ. And whatever the Lord calls us to do, one of the things he wants us to do is he says, I want you to be a believer who lives a life that demonstrates generosity in your time, in your activity, in your speech, in your conversations with people. You know, how many times as believers do we hold back extending grace to other people? You know, a lot of times as believers... We miss opportunities for blessing and testifying of the goodness of the Lord to those people who aren't in faith because we don't extend grace to them. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but I, I need all the grace I can get. And knowing some of you guys and some of you gals, you need all the grace you can get too. God wants us to be not, not pawns of grace who hold it just for us because we don't think God has enough grace for everyone else, but he wants to, us to be spiritual uh, rain gutters that just allow grace to flow through us to other people. Because when you do that, you're demonstrating the love of God to people. And that's what God's called us to do. Look what it says in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, God expects you to fulfill the law of Christ through your generosity. Why? Look what it says. It says, carries one another's burdens. What is a burden? Something that's weighing a person down, a heaviness, you know? And it just doesn't have to be finances. It could be maybe you just meet someone in the store and they just, they just look downtrodden, yeah. you know? Have you ever gone to the teller and the teller's sitting there and they're like, you know? Just saying something like this, hey, how's your day going today? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Asking the teller. The other day I was at Smart and Final buying something. And the, the teller's shoulders were just kind of slumped down. She's like sliding things, not even looking up. And I said, hey, how are you doing today? And she looked up. She goes, it's been a rough one. You know? 
And I said, well, you know what? I just want you to know, I'll be praying for you. And her eyes just got really big. You know, really? I said, yeah, I will. I'll pray that God gives you peace. God gives you good customers. God sends all the bad customers to the other aisle, you know? <laughs> Let the other teller deal with that, you know? And she just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And, you know, then, you know, you see this, their whole countenance changed. Why? Because you and I, our words speak life. And a lot of times as believers, we think, well, that just pertains to Scripture. Well, sometimes it pertains to your graciousness to other people and how God wants you to behave and treat other people. And you see, love, you know, how, do you, how do you know you're really a believer? You love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor, who? As yourself. That's what Matthew says. One of the things that we need to do is we need to fulfill the law of Christ by loving people the way Christ loved us. If you go to the book of Matthew in chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, you see that God expects us to invest in not just the present, but the future of what he has for us. He, look what he says in Matthew 6, 19. He says, Do not store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. How many of us store up stuff for ourselves? And then we worry about it constantly. He says this, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And what God wants us to do is to learn that when we're living this life, we're basically sowing into the next life. We're sowing into our eternal rewards. You know, some of the the poorest people on this planet will be some of the richest people in the future kingdoms. You know why? Because I found that they're generous. They're loving. If you want to you do something, you should watch the, the show on Netflix called the, the Kindness Diaries. It's an interesting show that my wife and I watched a couple years ago. And it's a man that travels around the, the world. And he travels around in a beat-up old car. And the first one, I think he's in a motorcycle. The second one is in a car. But he finds that the people that are the most generous are the poorest. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting correlation. Yeah. You know, I may not have a lot, but what I have... Mikasa sukasa, you know, what I have is yours. And one of the things God wants us to do is God wants to cultivate in believers a genuine faith that people look at us and say, why are you like that? And you can say, you know why I'm like this? Because Christ lives in me and Christ loves you. And I may not have everything, but what I have, I will bless you. I will sow into you. I will allow you to see the goodness of God through my life. And I will be a person that demonstrates the love of Christ in tangible ways. Mm, this is good. I'm like Pastor Lynn this morning, you know. So what is, what is the Bible and what does Jesus teach us about generosity? Because you see, the Bible has a lot. But the personification of generosity was Jesus. And when we look at what Jesus taught, we look into the scriptures and we see some very powerful things he taught. Look at the first thing he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Matthew 10, 42. Jesus teaches you and I to be generous. Look what it says. And if anyone gives even a cup of water to one of the little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose the reward. You know what this talks about? Little things bless people. Sometimes it's the littlest thing, the kindness word, the glare. You know, we're all walking around, face mask, people can't see if you're smiling, but they can see the twinkle in your eye, you know? Asking people, how are you doing? Refer to people, like I, I started doing years ago, referring to people as brother or sister. It changes the way they respond to you. 
Some of the hardest people I've ever met, when you start talking to them in a, in a, a familiar way, in a, a way you're, you're treating them as a human being and with dignity and honor, it's amazing how people respond to you. And I'll tell you, we are called to be light in darkness. And we're living in a world right now that is, especially where we live, I mean, greed. I, we, we were sitting at the Teen Challenge Banquet on Thursday night, and we were sitting next to a real estate developer. And he says, you know, one of the things I don't like about my profession, about my career, is that it's all about what you can get. And he says, I want to be a person that sows into others. I want to be a person that uses the resources God has given me to sow into others. I tell you, that's the principle that Christ wants to cultivate in us. We live in a very materialistic area. And we have to be very careful that that stain doesn't get on us and taints our heart and taints our minds and taints our eyes and closes our ears to what the truth of the gospel is. Mm. Somebody's not listening to this thing. Look what the scripture says in Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. That God teaches us, the word of God, Jesus teaches us to be enthusiastic about being generous. I love this passage. And Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. You know, And he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And then I love what Jesus said. Truly, I, I, he, I tell you, he said, the poor widow has put in more than all of the others. And all of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she gave out of her poverty, and she put in all she had to live on. You see, the principle here is Jesus looks at the rich and says, well, you know, I always love when these, these Hollywood celebrities give like 5000 or $10,000 or something. That's chump change to them, you know? They spend more on lunch sometimes than that, you know? Or a pro athlete gives $1,000 or something. It's like, what, did you lose your, you lose your wallet, you know? Uh, you know, that, to, to some people, that's a lot, but really, per capita, what they give is not very much. But when you give out of, out of your, your little, your meager, out of the, the, not out of the abundance, but out of the need. Yeah. I don't know how many times the Lord has talked to my wife or I where we were like, you know what, empty your wallet, you know? Now I, I carry my phone, all credit cards. So, do you take credit, you know? <laughs> Make a pledge. Just give what out of your abundance or give out of your need. You know, there's a, a thing in giving and stewardship campaigns. If we'd ever do a stewardship campaign to, 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 to do something, one of the things they say is not equal giving, equal sacrifice. You see, it's easy to give out of your abundance. But really, it's a matter of your heart and trusting the Lord when you have to give out of your need. I remember the time we were going to Bangladesh. The Lord told us to go to Bangladesh. And the Lord spoke to my wife, and I really challenged the Lord speaking to my wife on this. <laughs> Empty your savings. You pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to give something to the Lord that costs me nothing. That's right. And I tell you, to this day... I don't regret one cent. I wish we had more we could have given. I wish we had more in savings. I would have given more because I've seen the blessing of the Lord upon that sowing. And I tell you, even to this day, we're still blessing the nation of Bangladesh. And that's 20 plus years ago that happened. And I tell you, God wants to cultivate in you and I a, a spirit of generosity, a spirit of being faithful. You know, in John 3:16, it said, so God so loved the world that he what? He gave. That is a pattern that you and I should follow. We should follow the pattern of Jesus of freely giving. And I thank God he wasn't like, well, you know, 
you know, Quinn, you're, you're pretty good, but, you know, David, I don't know about you. I don't know if I want to extend grace to you, you know. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure if, Matthew, you're, you're all right, but, you know, your brother, I'm not sure if I want to extend grace to him. Aren't you glad that God's grace has enough for all of us? That God didn't have a poverty spirit and say, only those certain good folks I'm going to give it to. But to the reprobate sinners that you and I are, he says, you know what? I'm going to pour out my grace to you because I love you and I care for you. And I want to show and demonstrate what true love is. Well, true love is really demonstrating Christ-likeness in your life to other people. And I tell you, the most Christ-like behavior is showing it to people who really don't deserve it. And they're the people that, my wife and I call them fruit checkers, yes. you know? They're the people that God puts in your life to make sure you're living like Jesus <laughs> and to remind you when you're not. So when you're not living like Jesus, God says, you know what? I'm going to put something in you, someone in your path that's going to remind you how much growth you still have to go through. <laughs> And I'm going to let them be some of the orneriest people you've ever met. I'm going to let them push every button. They're going to be like the little kid getting down the elevator. And you're on the 30th floor. And they're like. And then they pull out the fire stop. You know, it's like that's the kind. And God does that. You know why? Because he cares for you and he wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to develop in who you are and develop the characteristics of Christ in you. That's what it's all about. The love of God was generous and bestowed upon all of us. In 1 John, which is interesting because 1 John writes, he, he, he writes John, he writes 1 John, the, the, the love letters literally, 1 John, and 2 John, 3 John. But in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says this. He's teaching us, that generosity is not something you just theorize, but you act upon it. Listen to this passage. This is how we know what love is. You know, like the old 80s song, I want to know what love is. You know, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Ooh, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You see a need that another person has, and you don't act upon it. How can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, there's a difference, and I learned this when I, we were professors in the university. We had a lot of people that had a lot of theory about how to do things but they didn't really know how to do it. Do you ever know someone like that? They have the answer to everything, but do they do it? No. And Christ is calling you and I not just to talk about being generous people, but to demonstrate it by our actions, by our thoughts, by our deeds, by our behaviors, and even doing it in a way that other people don't even know we're doing it. You know, And if, if you're being generous so people can see you, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You've already got your reward. But the Lord's calling us to be examples of Christ. When you do it unto the least of these, Jesus says you're doing it unto him. And one of the things I want us to do is I want us to be people who are generous in every category, every arena, every aspect of our life. I want people to look at us and say, man, I don't know what it is about you, but you are so different than everyone else. You know why? Because I have Christ in me. And Christ should transform us, not just renew our minds, but trickle down into our actions and how we treat people and how we behave and, and our interaction with people and, and how we deal with people. You know, I had a conversation this last week with our son, Chris, and he worked in Starbucks in college. 
And he met people coming through the drive-in who he knew their, their political and religious positions. And it was amazing how when they were treating him as a drive-up in the, in the Starbucks, how they'd be rude and obnoxious to them. But when he'd, they'd see them someplace else, and I remember he, he had a conversation, and, and he was talking to us, and he said to somebody, he says, weren't you my former college president? Hubba, 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 hubba. You know, and the guy got all nervous because he had treated him so poorly. You know, people are watching your behaviors. And how many times do we undermine our confession of faith by being stingy and being selfish and being unchristlike to people. God is calling us, and I think that's, there is a line in the sand right now, folks. How are we living? Are we living like Christ or are we living like the world and just pour, sprinkling a little holy water on us to be a little sacrimonious? God is calling us to live our faith out in every arena and every area of our life. And God is calling us to do that in a way that people stand back and they say, I don't know what it is about you, but I like you. There's something different about you. You're not like other people I've met. Look what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Jesus teaches us, hey, you want to know what generosity is? Follow my example. But if anyone obeys his words, the love of God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. You want to know how you're in Christ? 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 tells us, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Wow, that's a high caliber. Well, you know, Pastor, you, 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 you're a human being. I'm going to live up to you. I'm going to live, if I live up to your standard, then I'm, I'm okay. No, you live up to the standard Christ sets for you. You live up to the standard that the Lord sets before you. You see, people's standards are pretty easy to accomplish, you know? But when you have the standard of the Lord, and what does the Lord say? Hey, I want you to follow me in all areas, in every aspect of your life. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, or 13, verse 5, he says, you should examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. You know, I'm not, I'm not responsible to examine you. I'm responsible to preach the word to you and to counsel you and encourage you to walk a godly life. Your responsibility is to examine yourself. Because one thing about people, one thing about even you can be in a marriage relationship, you can be dating someone, you can be best friends with someone, and you do not know what their heart's like. That's why scripture says, examine yourself. You take the personal responsibility and actions to examine yourself, to test your faith, and it says this, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. You know? How many of you have to do certifications for your work? You know? You know? And you get certed, you have to get a 70 or above. I mean, I was a college professor for years, 20 years. You know, a 70 is you're just barely, that's passing by the skin of your teeth, right? Or the hair on your chinny-chin-chin, right? Some of you have a little bit more hair on your chin, but still, it's not a, it's not a great per capita if we all said, you know, I, I'm barely getting by. Christ is saying, live your life in such a way that you follow my example. Don't compare yourself with the person next to you. Compare yourself with this spotless, sinless Lamb of God. And if you're living that way, then you can say, hey, I'm doing it. But until then, keep examining yourself. And one of the things about our faith, we're constantly monitoring where we're at in our spiritual growth. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone this last week, and they said, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, what do you do when you evaluate your faith? Every year at our birthday, my wife and I will sit down. 
and will say, this is where I was last year, this is where I am this year, this is where I hope to be next year. What goals do I have? What do I want to see myself develop as a believer? How do I want to be a better husband? How do I want to be a better pastor? How do I want to be a better person? You know, examine and and look at yourself and and ask yourself, are there things in my life that aren't in alignment with the word? You know, for years, I have taught the principle of spiritual front-end alignments. What is a spiritual front-end alignment? That's knowing you're a little bit off caliber. You're leaning either to the left or the right, and Jesus says, no, I want you to follow my example. Don't follow people's examples, you know. You can follow Paul, because what did Paul say? Follow me, how? As I follow Christ. You know, so if you're going to follow someone, make sure they're a godly example. Make sure they're a righteous example. Make sure they're someone that's, that's living it, and, and you're, you're watching their life and their doctrine closely. So it's not just out here telling you about how you should live for God, and then they're living a totally different way the rest of the time. But you watch their life and doctrine closely. You see, because the early disciples, they followed the example of Christ set before them. If you look in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, in his final words to the Ephesian church, as he's telling them, you know, hey, I'm not going to probably ever see you again. And uh, I don't know if the Holy Spirit had already spoke to him that he was going to be en- ended up in Rome and never making it back to Ephesus again. But he basically told them, he says, look, I, I have not coveted anyone's silver, gold, or 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 anyone's clothing, anything like that. But what I do, I, 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 whatever God's put in my hands, I've used for his glory. That's what the Lord's asking us. Follow the example that was demonstrated by Jesus to Paul. Paul went on also in Corinthians and told the Corinthian church that you know their, their generosity, the generosity of the believers in Corinth, which was a very metropolitan, very spiritual uh, epicenter for that region of the world, he says, you know what? I want you to know that everything that I'm doing, I'm doing is unto the Lord. Look what he says. For if it, the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to the one who has, not according to the one that does not have. Our desire is that not others might be relieved while we are hard-pressed, but that they might be uh, equity. God is desiring you and I to have generosity. One of the principles my wife and I have for, for ministry is this. Equal scales. We treat everyone the same. You don't treat a believer one way and a non-believer the other. You don't treat the person that you, you, you just had a Bible study with really great, and then you go in and get your coffee or you go to your store, and you treat the customer service person terribly. We treat people the same way. There's an equality that we need to have. And I'll tell you, for years, I, I, as a pastor, it's grieved my spirit the way some Christians treat people. How dare you call yourself a follower of Christ if you're te- treating people that way? And look what he says. He says, not only that, one of the things that we need to do, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who has gathered much did not have too much, and the one who has gathered too little did not have too little. Although we're diverse, we work together for what God's called us to do. And God is calling us as a body of believers to be generous. God is calling us to be sowers into people, sowers into nations, sowers into projects. And one of the things that Pastor Lynn and I do all the time, we pray for your blessing financially. We pray that God would bless your businesses. I pray that you guys are so busy that you don't have time to take breaks. I pray that God gives you so much work that you have to turn it down. I, I was talking to, to Brian Bristol the other day, and he was telling him that Jose's business was so busy, he didn't even let him have lunch. I'm like, praise the Lord. I got to keep praying for Jose's business. Brian needs to lose a few pounds, and not having lunch for a few days will be good for him. You know, 
We want to bless you and allow you to be blessing so that you can stand back and say, look what the Lord has done. Look at the goodness of our God. And what happens is we don't use that blessing to just me, 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 me. What we do, we use that blessing to sow into others. You know, generosity, if you look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, generosity is not something that's forced upon you. And I don't want you ever to feel that if we ever bring something up as a need in this church, that there's an obligation or a force upon you. Don't, do, don't ever feel forced or obligated to give to anything. Right. You know, that is called manipulation. Right. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. But the scripture says, look in your hearts and judge and ask the Lord, what is he asking you to do? You see, and one of the things that's amazing, I always, I always find it interesting when someone corners you in a store and they, you know, they have a can and they're trying to get you to give something and they're blocking your path, you know? It's like, man, that's not a, that's not a spirit of Christ. That's a spirit of manipulation. And I don't ever want this church to be a church that is like shaking the doors or locking the doors in the back and making you go through and having to have an offering before you can get out. That's not what we're about, folks. Because that is the wrong attitude. And for so long, the church has had some really bad attitudes about generosity. And I want us to be an example of Christ-like generosity. That it's not compulsory, it's not obligatory, it's freely give. Because you know why? God loves a generous and a cheerful giver. The word actually that he uses in the original language when he's talking about God loving a cheerful giver is the word hilarion. You know what that comes from? The word hilarious. That is so funny, you laugh. You laugh at God wants us to be so funny. And there's times where God says, hey, I want you to do something. God, God, I don't know how you do this, but I've learned this over the years. I know you're going to do it. And I know you meet all my needs according to your riches and glory. It's not, I don't have to depend upon myself. But Lord, I know you're going to meet that need. And I don't know how you're going to do it. But Lord, it comes down to this basic principle. I trust you. If you come into my office, I have a picture on my wall of Colton and Susan Whitramarotney. They were former pastors of People's Church in Colombo, uh, Sri Lanka. And I remember sitting in their house, and, and he was a, basically the apostle of Christianity to that part of the world. And he sat down and he says, David, the currency of heaven is faith. We think the currency is USD, greenback. What's my rate of exchange? Wow, I got 70 to 1. That's great. No, the currency of heaven is faith. And the thing that I've learned over all these years of walking with the Lord is this. If you put into the Lord's hand what you have and you trust him, he has the ability to take care of all of your needs. I don't know how he does it, but I know this. He does it. Lord, right now we come before you and we just ask that you would speak to us as believers. That you would speak to us about being generous people. That, God, you would stir us in our hearts. And for some of us today, Lord, you, this is a, a word of instruction, a word of correction, a word of front-end realignment to you. But, Lord, I pray that, God, you would cultivate in us, each and every one of us, Lord, not based upon our, our, our net worth, but based upon our, our salvation experience. God, for some of us, we're giving out of need. Fathers, others, we're giving out of abundance. But, Lord, whatever we're called to do, Lord, you're calling us to be generous people. And I pray that, God, you would baptize us 
as a believer right now with a spirit of generosity. Lord, I pray for our our attitudes towards other people, that we would be generous in compliments to them, Lord. I pray they would be people that when, when, when people see us pull up in a drive-thru or walk up to the cash register, that we'd put a smile on their face because we're generous and we're kind in our words to them. I pray that, God, as we are walking around and, and having a relationship with coworkers and, and vendors and contractors and employees, that, God, you would give us an attitude of generosity to them, Lord, that we would be people that, that demonstrate the love of Christ to others. And I pray that, Father, you would baptize us with a spirit of love, like the words of Mother Teresa, that we would not judge people, but Lord, we would have, we would have an attitude of, of love towards them. And Lord, I pray that the love that we have from you would translate in, in realistic ways on how we treat others. And Lord, I pray when there are needs that are brought before us, Lord, no matter how small or no matter how large they may be, that God, our heart would be sensitive to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would not allow our ears to be closed or our hands to be tight-fisted. But Father, I pray that you would help us to be generous in what we have. Lord, let us know that, Father, everything that we have comes from you. And Lord, I know this, that your desire is to bless your children. And your desire is to keep us sensitive to your voice. And I pray, Father, that we would have ears to hear what your Spirit's saying to us. And the Lord, I pray that you would cultivate in us a lifestyle of generosity. I pray that, Father, we would not be sidetracked by the things of the world or by people around us, but, God, we would be sensitive and open to the words of your Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. And now, Lord, I pray that you would solidify this word in our heart. Lord, let the words that we've shared from the text of Scripture ring loud and clear into our ears, Lord. Let the voice of the Holy Spirit speak freely to us, Lord. And I pray, Father, as we're going through our day, as we're going through our week, as we're going through the the routines of our life, that, Father, your Holy Spirit would speak so clearly to us about being generous with our love and our smiles and our kindness. And, Lord, may the kindness of God lead people to repentance. And Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand? to live with 
done by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Lord, I will open up again. Throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of Pastor David, that was a powerful word. This house is called to be generous. You are called to be generous. What a beautiful word that is, generous. Isn't that a beautiful word? They call you generous. You know, I was encouraged. I am challenged by that word. Those of you that have a little fear of being generous, the Lord wants you to know, test me in this. I want to say, uh, some of you may say, well, I've had a bad experience with being generous. And, you know, let me just tell you something. When I was a teenager, way back when I was 14, I, my first job was cleaning church, the, my dad's church, clean scrub toilets. If I know how to scrub a toilet. I may not know how to cook a meal, but I can scrub a toilet. <laughs> anyway, that's funny. Anyway, that makes you a good pastor when you can scrub a good toilet. And I used to get paid, I don't even think it was three bucks an hour. I think back then in late 70s, maybe not even $3. And the Lord asked me, now get this, to give money to PTL. Remember PTL, those of you that are old? They ended up being some scam artists. Remember that? PTL. And uh, I gave $100. Now, $100 is probably all my month's pay, right? I sewed into PTL. And I was only like 14 or 15 years old. And I saw the outcome of that. And the Lord tested me in saying, you know what, Lynn? It wasn't about what they did with the money. It's about your obedience. It's about you obeying me. And he allowed me at a very young age to see something that I didn't really like seeing. Because the enemy wanted to use that to burn me to say, you can't trust by sowing. Well, I'm going to tell you that was one of the very few bad experiences I had because I kept on sowing, even from being a young teenager. And the Lord has blessed my life. And I want to encourage you, even the teenagers up here, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager and you get paid. I don't know what the pay rate around here is pretty high, though, $15 an hour or something like that. But the fact is this, we all are called to be generous. And the Lord will bless you in that generosity. And I want to encourage you. Some of you may have fear to be generous. And the Lord is saying, you know what? Don't fear being generous. I will be true to my word. Pastor David preached excellent on being true to the word of God. That God will bless you if you're generous. He's going to cause you to always have a flow. I want to encourage you. That comes from obedience. It doesn't come from us making you do anything. It's coming from the Lord Uh, speaking to you, and he is speaking to you through his word, to begin to give the increase of giving in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we are going to obey your word because we're going to be excited to see what happens. We're on a great adventure with you, Lord. And that great adventure involves our generosity towards one another in spirit and in love and in grace, as well as in giving 
the resources that we have both here locally and globally. We're going to do that. And Lord, you have placed us on a trajectory of adventure, of the miraculous power, of seeing where our two fish and five loaves go and how it multiplies and how you are glorified. So Lord, we are excited about this word that has challenged our hearts in your name. Amen. God bless you as you go today. If you don't belong to a life group, Fred and Judy are out there, and you can talk to them about a small group, okay? God bless you. It's to live within your love, be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Lord, I will open up again, throw my tears into desperate for a touch of all I want is to live within your love be undone by who you are my desire is to know you deeper Lord I will open up again throw my fears into Oh